everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out all the very many things that we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This past week, Jeremy Jones was in Crested Butte to see his son Cass compete in and win the IFSA Junior Three-Star Comp at CBMR. So big congratulations to you, Cass, and it was great to meet you. But the occasion also meant that Jeremy and I got to finally get out on snow together, which was great. We got to watch all the incredible junior skiers and snowboarders compete. And folks, seriously, these kids are freaking impressive. And we also got to have several conversations, including this one that you are about to hear that we recorded in our Blister headquarters in Elevation Hotel. So our topics today, well, gear reviews, how to make them good and useful. And we also get into the biggest gear mistakes that riders make. We talk about the soft boot versus hard boot debate where Jeremy dropped a very intriguing anecdote about Shane McConkie. Listen up for that. Uh, we also talk about full camber versus no camber boards and more. Oh, and for those of you who are fans of our Blister Cinematic podcast, well, it sounds like Jeremy might be making some appearances over there to talk about some of his favorite films. So I'm already looking forward to some of those conversations, too. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by OpenSnow.com, which is our favorite weather app to track storms and track that good light, which you all know that I will take over good snow. Uh, but whether you are into fresh snow or perfect light, warm temperatures or low winds, OpenSnow is the place to go. So head over to OpenSnow.com to check it out. This episode is also presented by Willie's Ski and Snowboard Shop, which is our blister-recommended shop with two locations in the Pittsburgh area and one resort-based shop at Seven Springs Mountain Resort. Also, fun fact, at our recent blister summit, Willie's president, Greg Klein, was on a panel session with Hoji and Matt Manzer that we are now calling Sex and ski boots. So if you weren't there for that conversation at the summit, well, stay tuned for that conversation to show up on our YouTube channel. And we'll also probably run it here on Gear 30. And you can hear Greg on previous episodes of Gear 32 or just catch him at Willie's and talk to him yourself. That seems like a very good idea. Finally, you can always head online to willieskiandboard.com to check out everything going on over at Willie's. So we'll leave that link for you in the show notes of this episode. And now let's get to my conversation with Jeremy Jones. Here we go. Well, I am very happy to have Jeremy Jones back here in Blister headquarters. Um, Man, I was just looking up today. I was like, when did we record our last podcast? And um, time clearly continues to fly because it was end of November. And I was like, was that like two months ago? And I'm like, no, not quite. It's been been a minute. But um, always, always fun to get to link up in person and um, fun to have you back here in Crested Butte. And this week, was this your first time riding? around the Gunnison Valley or have you, yeah, first time? No, it was, so I, um, I came here for the X Games. X Games. Which is, I don't know, getting close to 30 years ago. And, um, it was a very quick trip focused on, uh, competing in my first ever border cross and never really got off the bottom of the mountain. I was in and out fast. Uh -huh. and, um, so, Really, I would say this is my first time really experiencing the mountain. Let's see. I mean, I think primary reason you're out is your son is competing. Yep. And um, so I know you were on the mountain today, but I think you, I, I was out of town, just got back in late last night. You've been riding the ski area the last several days? 
Yeah, I think um, today was my um, fourth day going bell to bell at the mountain. Bell to bell. Uh, yeah, bell to bell. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, the, the cool thing with these free ride comps is it's really the, um, it's like I, my kid's doing his thing. I show up and watch his run, but the rest of the time I'm just riding. And it's, and so it's in the forever, if I was going to leave my home to go snowboarding, it was to do a magazine shoot or a movie yeah. shoot or ride with retailers or whatever. But these free ride comps, I'm just out ripping with other parents and new friends, old friends. And so just, I've been fully immersed. Um, with riding the mountain hard every day and it's it's been incredible huh well i hope tomorrow we get to link up at least for a little bit i know you, your son doing pretty damn good in this comp is my understanding yeah um my son is definitely doing the doing the family proud he's doing <laughs> some real snowboarding and um you know he's he's putting in his time he, it's kind of time on snow with intention and it's really starting to pay off. Uh, and so that's been incredible. But yeah, we definitely, there's a point in every relationship where um, we talk about this stuff all the time. And then it's like, we actually need to get on a chairlift and at least take a run or yeah. two. Because uh, it, it would be weird not to. So it would be weird not on. to. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, um, as as you well, the last time we talked in November, I told you and and Xavier Nidecker that I was going to be getting on a snowboard this winter. We were waiting for these seven hundred and fifty reviews. Weird thing, your thirty listeners know about this. I was like, I am not getting on a board because I'm probably going to break myself until we get those seven hundred and fifty reviews. Well, that happened, so it's it's go time. Bravo, dude! Seven hundred and fifty reviews. Yeah, that is. So impressive. Congrats to you and your team. <laughs> Thanks. That's a big number. It's a, it's, a, it's a big number. I think there's a lot of interested... I mean, we know that there's quite a few people that listen to this show. And so this all started because I was like, why aren't there more reviews? And I think turns out a lot of people want to see video of me looking like a baby giraffe on ice on a snowboard. And maybe also some people who want to see physical harm come to me. And both of those things are in play, you know? Yeah. Well, I would push back on that is um, go start on those nice, big, broad, glory groomers first thing in the morning, which I've been starting my day with they are every nice morning. Here. Yeah. That, that never ending um, East River. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, I feel like I'm on my snowboard for like eight miles yeah. in 20 minutes <laughs> and just there's not a ripple on it, groomer. And so, yeah, start with that. Groomers, you want, you think I should start my first snowboard turn should be on a groomer as opposed to like a very low angle backcountry situation where if I'm going down catching an edge, there's going to be something softer. From my wrists or tailbone yeah, to hit. Yeah, so no, I yeah. If you have the opportunity to ride low angle pow, do that. Everyone knows how to ride low angle powder on a snowboard. It's the easiest thing in the world. I think. I so should. yeah, if okay. you have the means to do that, good on you. Okay, <laughs> okay. We're 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 still working through this. I did think like, well, while you're here, you know, tomorrow, I was like, I could make my first turns on a board, but I was like, it probably would be more fun if I didn't do that. And we could probably get onto something more yeah, interesting. Bring your skis. Yeah. And uh, we're going to, we're going to make. a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Let's go rip. Okay. <laughs> so, so Justin Bob is going to be the person who has to, on, on better, for better or for worse, you know, go with me on those first turns. But I am looking forward to it. We've already done some, J Bob and I during the Blister Summit, we did some very late night practice sessions, like on my living room rug. And so he was telling me a lot, like really weight the front foot. Yeah, it's very um, unintuitive. And I wasted, I think, two years of snowboarding by being on my back foot. Um, but yeah, so you're in good hands with him. And I would say, um, well, get up to speed on your snowboard. And then the next time we get together, I'll be on skis. Okay. I don't want to okay. go. I, I can tell <laughs> okay. you, I am much better on skis than you will be on your first day on yes. 
a snowboard, but um, once you're up to speed, then we're we gonna can switch. do a little um, roll reversal, <laughs> yes. which should be fun. And, Wait, and I want—I actually want to do it here because you are in the candy shop of skis, and yeah. I don't know what I would grab, um, and it would be so fun to walk the room to figure out what I would grab. Okay. When is the last time you were on skis and or how often do you ever get on skis? The one thing that I will often do with a lot of joy is when I'm split boarding and at times we'll have this low angle rolling pow. um, And I, and instead of say changing over, I'm, you know, we're really happy to, to um, ski that on a split But as far as putting the ski boots on, I surprised uh, my buddy um, who sadly, um, his, his kid, Scotty Lapp, passed away in a skiing accident. And they did a, the right after it happened, mm. they did this get together ski for Scotty. And I, um, and I found some skis. And, and so that was my last day on skis. And then they do that every year. And it was actually, um, two weeks ago and I was frantically trying to find some skis or or mainly the boots. Um, and unfortunately I couldn't, but Mm. I don't know. I don't get on skis that much, but it's always fun to just experience the mountain from a different perspective. And I did spend 10 years on skis. So it does come back pretty damn quick. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent taking you up on this. I'm going to spend my, my fair share of time on a board. We'll get back together and then I'll be on the board. You be on the skis. This, this will be yeah, a thing. Be fun. I have to say one of the, um, we didn't talk, a, I don't think we talked about this on air at all when we did our last conversation with Xavier, where we were talking about re-up tech. That was the focus of that conversation, but it has been really um, interesting, but um, we've also very much appreciated. I, I remember actually before I think we hit the record button back in November, you you said, you're like, hey, um, I read all of Blister's ski reviews. And I was like, what? Why? And it was really cool because, you know, and if I, I'll paraphrase and you can correct me or, or add in, you know, where you like, but you said, well, you know, at Jones, like we're designing a lot of product and we're trying to think about best, most helpful, most accurate descriptions of stuff. And you guys at Blister do that quite well. And so I, I thought that was, um, well, one, very flattering. Two, I mean, our team works really hard. I think our team is very, very good. But, um, you know, we still are acutely aware that uh, we need to grow the snowboard side of things. We intend to do that. But I thought that was really cool that someone in your position, instead of being like, hey, man, talk to me when you guys ever finally fucking get around, right, to doing more on the board side. I thought that was just a really um, a, a, a generous thing for you to say and a, and a pretty cool thing because, I mean, we do work our asses off and think a lot about those descriptions. And it was cool to hear that um, even though we are not nearly where we want to be in terms of product review on the snowboard side of things, that, that meant a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's the great challenge and I'm just so um, impressed with you and your team, the depth and level and passion you put towards diving into every ski. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible service. And at Jones from the get-go, we've always said, this is one thing we will we will never say, um, go, oh, we got it all figured out. We've achieved that. Is is we're constantly working on trying to uh, have someone end up reading a catalog, going into a shop to uh, talk to a shop kid that we've trained, go on our website and come out of that experience with the right board. Because we make a lot of different snowboards and and I'm confident to say we certainly have uh, the dream board for any rider on that mountain, but they got to pick the right one. Mm-hmm. We also purposely have snowboards that are too stiff for me, that are too soft for me that, um, you know, cause what, what I think can happen is everything 
kind of maybe you got the soft boards and the stiff boards and over time everything just gets squashed into the middle uh-huh. um and so yeah it's this ongoing quest and i know that we share that same quest mm-hmm. um but the one thing that we talked about in that is mm-hmm. uh you need to because so what happens is we do all this work and i'm watching these these people because uh, i'll I'll have a friend who's like, hey, I want to get a board and what should I get? And I said, you know, go on the website, read the catalog. We spend so much time, as you do, in explaining what this board is for and who it's for. And that person will go through that process and then come back and be like, yeah, I want a, um ultra flagship. And I'm like, wow, okay. that I, I mean, you got a full-time job. I didn't realize that guy could. I mean, that is a pro elite. It's too much board for me. Um, that they went through all that description and then walked out of the building with, which is blatantly the wrong board. Yeah. It's, it's for the high level pro rider. And, um, and so what we have really tried to do is define these different levels. So, for example, what is a pro level board? There's, no way to get to a pro level snowboarder or skier without a minimum of a minimum of a hundred days a year, 10 years in a row. And that's really undercutting it really. But, you know, so trying to define what it means when we say pro intermediate, advanced intermediate, yeah. so on and so forth. Okay. But so this is exactly the conversation I wanted to have with you. When you say the ultra flagship is too much board for you, okay, well, you are somebody who has spent more than 10 years, probably averaging out more than 100 days a year. So if if you just said maybe you were just being like falsely humble. Well, sorry to interrupt, but I... No, let's go. Uh, yeah, so I, at this point, I weigh 140 pounds. Um, I'm not putting, I'm putting a lot of time on the mountain, but I am not shaking the mountain with my snowboard. I'm running like you could have a glass of water on my head. <laughs> and the way that I snowboard is to keep that water in the cup. The way my son rides, mm. um, he absolutely is at that level where he's on, which will, you know, we're changing the ultra flagship to the, um, the flagship pro just to be crystal clear what uh-huh. that means uh-huh. is he is stomping big airs and hard pack flying through hard pack bumpy hard pack going super fast just you know really aggressive pulling a ton of g's and i don't ride like that anymore um sure i i actually still ride a ton of hard pack but it's a much smoother i'm smoothing out hard pack so um, I'm riding slower than that. So that board, yeah, I can ride it. I'm on a um, really stiff board here right now, and I know how to ride and I can handle it, but it's not the optimal flex for me. I'm too, I've gotten too light and I'm, and I'm just not shaking the mountain like I used to. So this also came up, I think, before we hit the record button on our last conversation, but you were talking about our buyer's guide. Right. Where we, instead of doing these, you know, 7,000, 10,000 word reviews, which we do on our website, we're trying to condense things down in that buyer's guide. And you said, you know, great job on the buyer's guide, but you were pushing us to do more of that, do more of this product is, for example, for expert riders only. This product is more for intermediates, you know, and and really being even more explicit, at least in our buyer's guide, because as we talked, I'm right. saying, well, you know, we do those who's it for sections in our full reviews where we have more time. But it's funny, we just opened up at the start of 2024, this thing called community reviews on the Rad. website. That's really cool. Where what we're hoping for is over time, you know, like we will at most, I'd say, review maybe one or two lengths of a ski model. Well, 
if we open up this community reviews thing, we can now have people, riders from all around the world, weighing in on every single length of that ski. And we'll have people of very different ability levels weighing in. And then as we build out a filter system, right? If you're like, hey, I'm new to snowboarding, that would be me. I don't care what all these experts say about a given product. And I want to filter that out. I only want to hear what newer riders have to say about a given board. Like we're going to be developing that all out, but we right off the bat, we've talked about this on Gear 30, how difficult it actually is, say, to define what is an intermediate versus what is an advanced skier or rider versus what is an expert. And I, I think, and I, this is what I said in that podcast, like I go ski and ride with a lot of actual experts, people in the movies, people that were on a podium in an Olympic sport. So I know they're out there. I'm not one of them. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm happy to put myself in the advanced category, even if I do ski a hundred days a year for a lot of years. And, and I think like when you, your definition of who should be on the, the flagship pro, I mean, you're starting to really narrow that down to maybe what a hundred riders. I mean, there's more than, but yeah, it's kind of the 10 best riders at the 100 best mountains. Um, Uh Yeah. So you're talking a thousand riders. And so it shouldn't be a big selling snowboard for for us. And I think about it with surfing. I wasted 10 years of surfing trying to surf Kelly Slater's surfboard. I'd walk into the shop. I'd looked cool. Da, 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 da. Um, and, And then, so, and the thing is, I had a really um, eye-opening experience. So I would go to ISPO every for probably 10 years. Um, so that's a European trade show. And uh, I all these shops and people would from all over Europe would come and come to the booth. We'd hang out. And they would be uh, kind of the, the best snowboarder from Milan, the yeah. best snowboarder from there, the da-da-da-da. And so now in Europe, they have this wonderful thing called shop first try. So no longer is there a trade show. Everyone comes to a resort. The trade show is get people on product. And so the first day I was there, I'd see these, these friends of mine that I have spent so much time talking, snowboarding with them. Like we're going, we're grab a board. We're going to walk. We need to go ride. I can, Mm -hmm. we've talked way too much about snowboarding without riding. So I did that for (laughs) two days. And at the end of it, I was like, and all of them are on our ultra flagship because huh. they're the best snowboarder in whatever city or town or whatever. But in my mind, they're, you know, they're just not at the pro yeah. level. So they're all on too stiff a product. And it's this, so as you, like everything you just said about yourself, like, yeah, I'm out with the best and uh, you're at Crested Butte skiing a hundred days a year. Go to Mount Snow to the person that skis 30 days a year at Mount Snow and you, that in their group, they're the best skier. Uh-huh. But at Crested Butte, they are, there's just no, you can't, there's no shortcuts to any of them. Yeah. So, um, my point is the, the, most people, the number one mistake that is made is they're on too stiff, too aggressive product. And so one thing you could do with your, um, and again, I know you do this and this is stuff that we (laughs) try to do. I know you get sensitive to this, but is, Hey, if you're the playful, like this is a really aggressive ski, like it just wants to take you down that hill. And, and if you want to be taken for a ride, this is a great ski for you. If you playful and snappy and jibby ski, this is good for you. You know, again, we're both um, after the same goal is, as I look at all these skis in your office here is, you know, it's just so awesome when you find that perfect match for your ability. I know as someone who manufactures snowboards that it just, 
when you match the perfect board to that ability, then that's where the magic happens. Yeah. And, um, and I feel it myself on snow, surfing, what have you. And that's the ongoing quest that will never end. Okay. I, mean, I think we're on the same page on that, right? Uh, well, we're, we're both on the same journey. I think so. But, but you just, you said something for on the snowboard side where, so let's, let's set out the terms. You said the number one mistake is that too many riders are on a board that is too stiff for them. I think when it comes to skis, and now if we're talking, I don't, I'm going to put aside sort of like recreational race skis because those do tend to be quite stiff and there are like varying degrees of stiff. But if we go and are looking at kind of all mountain stuff, I don't know that I think that that is equally true with skiing. With skiing. I think that not the number one mistake isn't as simple as most skiers are on skis that are too stiff for them. I think that sometimes they're on skis that are too soft. I think a lot of times for inbound skiing, people are on skis that are too light for them. Yeah. Yeah. Light is a tricky thing. Where are you guys with that? Yeah. Light is, um, light for touring is, is very nice, but no, there's weight is, is again, you guys have tested so many skis. You understand, um, inbounds, like weight is a really good and proper, um, a critical element. And which is why, yeah, you don't, light is a touring thing. Light on the mountain is not. But there's also a thing, for example, we see people, so, you guys, I'm assuming you dive into Biax, Triax, yep. the different fiberglass yep. weaves. So there is a feel that comes with Biax that is a really special feel. Um, and you match that with the right wood core. And there's a lot of people that will go, oh, but I want the Triax or the Quadras because it just sounds, it's more expensive, so it's going to be better. And then you're getting into this more brittle, high performance, less forgiving deal. So it's not just a stiffness thing. Yeah. It's also a material Materials. layup. Yeah. And what I get super excited about it, it, to, 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 to make a, take the most expensive materials, throw it in a board and make a whatever, a thousand dollar snowboard. Pretty simple to do to make a. $499 snowboard that grabs the really nice base, but it's got a simpler wood core with simpler fiberglass, mm -hmm. has the perfect flex pattern that whether you're a pro or an, or an intermediate or beginner, you can get on that thing and it just has the best feel. I get equally, if not more excited when we can make a mm -hmm mid-level board that is just magic and doesn't just check every expensive box to get there. Yep. We talked about this in November. You were you were talking about the fact that at Jones, you guys were, I think, correct me if I've got it wrong, talking about walking it back a bit from the use of carbon fiber. Do I have that right? Oh, yeah. We definitely... Um we found some alternatives to carbon fiber um, that, yeah, that have been nice. And, and again, it's like, what is the purpose of that? Yep. That product and, and, and feel that's why we do blind testing. It's always ABCD blind testing. I don't, and, and that's how we come to, wow, I can't believe the Biax won out uh -huh. over the Quadrax. Yep. Um, In terms of the feel. In terms of the yep. feel. That, that, yeah. I mean, carbon fiber has its place. I think that as we look back over the last decade of bike, ski, snowboard design, that <laughs> I think will go down as a bit of an unfortunate trend that that became the thing. Light, lightweight became that thing for a minute, whereas like the lighter meant better. Lighter just meant better. Sometimes it's the most expensive price tag means that's the best thing on the wall. And I think the that carbon got way overdone in a lot of different categories 
in sports. And I'm, I personally am completely in favor of like, let's walk that back. Yeah. And I, we call that light, right? Um, we could go lighter, but it rides like shit. Yep. And sure, at the trade show booth, it's like, and then you can win lightest board or whatever. We don't, that is not what we're after. We are after, um, stuff that is weight sensitive that rides really well is where our, cause we have our ultra light series. I have no idea where that stacks up. I'm sure there's lighter split boards out there, but these are boards that ride really well. Um, they're light. They're, I'm sure they're not the lightest, but it's where we found this, where we can go to as light as we feel really good about the downhill performance. Yeah. All right. So you said the number one mistake is that too many riders are on too stiff of a board. What else you got? Or maybe you've already kind of touched on some of the other mistakes in what we've already said. Well, I mean, I feel like we've touched on that really well, but um, what we are, where we're finding our open space right now from a design perspective is working where you have your stiffness and softness and, and putting softness in certain areas that still allow so the board's not going to fold on the front foot or the back foot. Um, and this interplay of camber, spoon. Uh, so at, at Jones, we have what we call spoon. So we have kind of a, a spooned out nose and tail. So um, it it's beveled on the kind of the, the front contact points. Um, instead, I say, if you think about rocker, the, the way to kind of lessen the tip and tail contact point traditionally is add rocker to it, yeah. which is nice. So you kind of free up the tip and tail because uh, I think 90% of falls skiing and snowboarding are because something happens with the tip of the ski or snowboard. It deflects off of something and ends up being a fall. Now, as we have really fine-tuned our spoon, so to kind of, if you think of the board lying flat and you lift it up from the side, you lessen that kind of catch. Yeah. So it's this interplay where we're allowed to have camber further towards the nose, but then we lift up the sides of it and to take away the catch of camber. Because the bad side of camber is you're just yeah. fighting to keep yeah. the nose from catching the whole time. Um, and so we're really at Jones, just speaking for Jones, where we continue to learn and evolve to that mix of spoon and camber and rocker and flex and material. We continue to learn how to, how to get the most out of all those curves and turns or, or um, you know, the, the blend of curves and, um, and it's an exciting time because we're always evolving on that. I wanted to ask you specifically about sort of, I, I feel, I told you this earlier, I feel like I'm hearing from some really high level riders that like, man, I, I just love camber. I, I'm tired of rocker. I just want a fully cambered board. And then I'm having conversations with some snowboard manufacturers where there's like, there is no reason for there ever to be camber on any snowboard. This is some remnant from the ski world. And when we're evolving snowboards kind of off of that. And I, okay, I don't want a diplomatic answer. What is the, what is your perspective on this? And are, are, are you hearing the same thing? These kind of very pro full camber, very anti camber, everything should just be either flat underfoot and then rockered or I don't hear that divide in the ski world. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's awesome for one. You that I don't that, get it? No, no, no. Uh, that on one side you have strong thought. We want that diversity of thought and I love that there's strong views on both. I um, purposely am oblivious to what other companies are doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, that's why we have to start reviewing more boards so you can just read. Yeah, and then I just learn. we <laughs> we're on our own journey. We have our own blank canvas with our paintbrush and we're filling it in how we see fit. But 
I think there is a place for both. I think that Rocker is really a soft snow deal, I think, with a mountain like Crested Butte, serious mountain, big vert, lot of bumpy, hard pack, lot of you know, and bit of, you know, when you get a mountain the size of Crested Butte, you're gonna get everything from soft snow to ice to yeah, cross, whatever. Right. And um so there's no question that Camber gives you more edge kind of power to the edge as that board flexes into it. So I think there's a place for both. And and you can see it in the Jones line. We have full rockered boards and we have full cambered boards and we have a mix of, of those. For a beginner personal question, is it is your strong advice go with a non-cambered, a fully rocker board to to avoid that edge catching, which I am admittedly truly terrified of. Valid, yeah. Valid catch is real. Okay. And and then so and you're talking about your spoon tech, or we sort of talk about convex tip tips and tails. Um is I mean, I'm not gonna be riding in deep pow, I don't think, on my like first day or two out. But like, what would, do you think there is kind of an optimal shape profile? Um, like I, I will tell you on the, on the ski side of things, one of the things where I've been banging this drum forever, when you get somebody new on a ski forum or something is like, I'm new to skiing. Like what kind of ski should I get on? Or I, I actually wrote an article some years ago called like the, the, the case for, uh, fatter rockered skis. When you're brand new to skiing, and I take it this is somewhat true for riding, you don't fucking know how to get a ski on edge. Yeah. You don't know that. You you don't know how to do it, and you definitely aren't out, out there on day one or day five, like, arcing turns on edge. And so I get frustrated when I see a lot of the advice, you know, or or I'm just in a lift line anywhere I go ski, and I see people on these skinny skis with dead flat tails. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're doing with that flat tail. You don't know how to make that piece of equipment work. Yeah. And I think for day one or two, and I'm I'm going to be this guy on my first turns on a board. I just don't want to slam my nose, yeah. smash my nose. An edge. I don't want to catch an edge. Yeah. I want to get good at getting on a chairlift and off a chairlift and hopefully not break both my wrists. Yeah. And I, I think that sometimes people automatically go into like, oh, the new skier, they think they're in ski school right away, learning to get that thing on edge. And I'm like, I just, that's not who I see on the mountain. So again, maybe selfishly or entirely selfishly. Do you think there is that optimal shape for somebody brand new to this stuff? What would that be? Yeah. So no question. You do not want to be on a tip to tail cambered snowboard. And I would assume that's the same with skis. You want to be able to, to slide effortlessly. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not, and we don't see real, there's not much of like the full extreme rocker thing that just is, you're just looping out doing circles all the way down. Um, so yeah, I think, um, definitively not a full rockered tip to tail ski or snowboard because you, you really want to slide it. The interesting thing with a snowboard, um, is I think it's super nice to have a, short tail um, because so much the big trick is getting toe to heel or heel to toe and is to get that that tail around and we have internal debate right now at jones because we're doing some entry-level stuff and and the the common um line of thinking is all right make a twin tip board for a first time or they don't know if they're goofy or regular yeah. so they can go either way huh. and i'm like I, you'll figure out really quick what that person is. And if you have a short tail and they end up riding switch, great. In two runs, you, you know, take three minutes and change their bindings. Um, so 
yeah, our, for us, the easiest board for a kid to ride is this mini mind expander, which is a long nose, short tail, full rocker deal. And I put first timers on that thing and you just see they can just kind of slide the tail around effortlessly and, um, and there's zero edge catch going on. Because it's a short tail. It's a short, is it a short rocker tail? It's yeah, the board's rocker. Um, and it's kind of, you know, and there's a, it's a pretty kind of flat slash rocker board with a, um, shorter tail. And you can just, the kids can just get that board, that, get that tail around effortlessly and they're not afraid of catching edges. That's a benefit of the kind of the spoon. So we do have our kind of main kid board because, because the other big mistake that we've found, and it's not in skiing, but in snowboarding is under 12 years old, everything's made for a beginner. And the reality is kids learn fast. Um, so our main, what we call the prodigy is a mixer rocker camber, uh, deal that, you know, a kid can learn on, but can go really far on that board. But we continue to make more aggressive, um, high end boards for kids under 12, uh, so they can ride a proper snowboard instead of, there's just so few like, high level snowboards for a kid under 12 where in skiing i mean you can go get a world cup race ski yep. for a 10 year old yeah uh, you can't do that in snowboarding and, and we continue to kind of bring in really good technology into these kid boards for the super rippers because the reality is kid starts at six or eight or whatever within 20 days they're really good so I should be really good within 20 days or I'm worse than your average 10 year old. Well, yeah, yeah. The That's... average 10 year old learns faster than we do. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> That's... Fair enough. I'm also, of course, fascinated, like I think every skier is, with snowboard boots. Just the idea of this super comfortable boot. That sounds kind of awesome. And yet, I, there's also the debate soft boot versus hard boot. I was just got back from Utah last night, um, was out with a guide, Noah, shout out to Noah, Noah, uh, at Monument, um, out around Eden, Utah. He was on a Jones solution board. Yeah, no. Phantom binding and was skiing in a, a modified atomic backland ski boot, yeah. hard boot. And so I'm, I'm a little surprised, I guess. And again, some of the people that I snowboard with are very much on that whole hard boot thing. But then some of the best riders in the world don't seem to be on those very much. And so I'm mostly kind of confused why there still is such a spectrum. Like skiing, we don't have people out in soft boots. Right. Well, that's a different story. But Makaki really wanted um, a, 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 the, a soft boot. Bring back like boot. the leather? Well, he wanted, um, and, uh, and the, the, there's a really bad version of it. I actually saw a pair the other day where you kind of have the, uh, the hard boot and the snowboard boot goes in and da, 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 Gotcha. Da. Gotcha. But yeah, McConkie was like, he, that was his next thing he was going to tackle. Um, and he borrowed some stuff from me to tackle that. He borrowed some stuff or from he you? Gra- you know, he needed some, he wanted some snowboard bindings and some different plate stuff and huh. things um, <laughs> that he was tinkering with. Um, and he never, he never even got to his first kind of proto on that. But that's a different story. <laughs> the hard boot, soft boot thing. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sure your buddy was happy and stoked and efficient and that's great no it's like whatever works for you uh i think a lot of like joey vosberg for example these these mountain guides that um splitboard mountain guides that are guiding skiers and what have you it's a very um it opens up the aperture of usability there's no question skiing a splitboard in a hard boot you know he can Joey can go ski hard pack on his split board 
way better than I can on my soft boots. Um, so that's a nice thing, but I don't know. I mean, we joke and say, you know, how do you know if someone's a hard booter? <laughs> Wait 10 seconds and they'll tell you. They're just so <laughs> aggro. So backing it up, um, I mean, it's, I get a kick out of it, but so I would estimate I've spent 2000 days in hard. Okay. I, I made a living racing snowboards yeah. and hard. Boots. Yeah. And, and that's everybody in that world is in a hard. Yeah. Boot. There's yeah, no yeah. question. Like if you're, if I needed to go do a race yeah. here, yeah. like you're putting in heartbeats. The yeah. problem and some of my Jim Zeller's original hard booter, I have buddies that um I get you know, probably put in a thousand days plus uh in hard boots touring. The the downside of it is and again is there's just no um you feel every bump. Yeah. So Joey Vosberg lives in the Selkirks, powder, no problem. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, you know, he's not getting rattled a lot at, at all. I have um, a hard boot splitboard setup, and if I'm riding that in kind of average Sierra conditions, at the end of the day, my knees hurt. Huh. They're not forgiving, um, and then. The big thing, though, that I miss out on is that ankle mobility and fine touch. Uh, so, yeah, and and you see it in in heart, and some of them. Every there, there's a guy, um, Clark uh, rides for Jones, rides hard boots. Beautiful, incredible style, but he's an anomaly. I mean, I could spot a hard booter riding an open face of powder from really far away you just lose that fine touch but at the end of the day if you're fired up on your hard boots no problem dude the i know rippers that ride hard boots i know rippers that ride soft boots and if we were doing a race from crested butte to aspen yeah. and i would probably be in a set of hard boots are they faster are they more efficient you know i'm sure they side hill better uh -huh. um so yeah they're very effective they're functional but so aren't soft boots. But so are soft boots, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've written some pretty cool lines on soft boots. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> and climbed some pretty, pretty nice cool. looking mountains on soft boots. Huh. And have you ever been at the top of a gnarly line and thought, I wish I was in the other boot? Or... And this is this absolutely not. Um, no. no, not in a million years. Have I ever been in the mountains wishing I was in hard boots? No, but I, I you I never, aside from say side hilling and aside from like carving hard and fast on a clock or, you know, against a, a fellow um, border cross, you would just, you always prefer the feel of a soft boot. Yeah, it, I would. All right. Absolutely. I mean, I just, there's a fine touch that comes, that comes with that ankle mobility. And I would, so I was always going back and forth, back and forth, soft boots, hard boots, soft boots, hard boots. And it was always, um, an adjustment. So when you're finessing into a spine or really techie stuff to have that really fine touch. So imagine if you're skateboarding or surfing, and you don't have ankle mobility. Yeah. Um, you're missing fine touch. The downside of that is there is a power that comes from hard boots. Yeah. And that's why every racer in the world is in hard boots because you dive into it and you, you are locked in and da da da. But there's a, there's just a fine touch that's really hard to duplicate in a hard boot. And you can see it with the hard booters. And, and again, there's a, it's whatever. There's trade-offs to both and, and, um, you can be incredibly efficient and functional and rip in both. And going back to McConkie, I mean, look, the, the hard ski boots I'm in, you don't have a bunch of ankle mobility in those. And I assume we talked some years ago with Stefan Drake and, and this was exactly Stefan's point. He wanted to come up with a, 
effectively a soft boot to give back. You know, you think about a sport like basketball or soccer where you don't have bound ankles like we do in a in a hard ski boot. I take it that's what McConkie was after. Yeah, there's not um, in a ski boot. You were in an ankle vice. Yeah, so you miss that that fine ankle agility um, to really finesse and 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 flow turns. It's a much more of a mm. power thing. Um, and I just I think that Shane. I, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I felt like he hated walking in ski boots. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he could leave um, kind of the hard stuff on the skis. And so it wasn't that he was trying to put a snowboard. He actually was trying to put a snowboard binding on a ski because <laughs> he specifically grabbed splitboard bindings with plates and stuff that I had. But my my guess is that he felt like you with a with kind of a two piece setup, mm-hmm. basically what a snowboard binding is. Yeah. Um, is that he could leave stiffness on the ski and then walk in a normal walking shoe. He just wanted to go from like skiing to playing like beach volleyball in his boot. Yeah, he wanted to not walk around in like ankle vices. Um, And then I think he did want more to play around with some ankle mobility. Mm -hmm. And so here's a thing. For example, low angle powder, you're in Japan. Imagine uh, that scenario where, as I talk about the, the, that wonderful feeling of being able to kind of add extra mobility and angulation and really free up your ankles to finesse stuff that, say, watch Craig Kelly make a turn on a snowboard, how much ankle he's putting into it. Yeah. And imagine if you could do that, which you can do on skis. And I think that it would. It's almost the POW surfing version of skiing would be to go put some snowboard bindings on a pair of fat skis and go ride some bottomless POW and go watch that, that ankle finesse and freedom that could come from that. I'm so curious. I mean, when I first get into snowboard boots, will some of this click for me, you think? Or will I mostly be like, no, you're going down now sideways rather than face downhill. You are not going to be thinking about what your ankles are doing. Yeah, you won't be thinking about what your ankles are doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, this is nuance. We're in this yeah. nuanced space right here. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's what it is. I mean, as far as soft boots or split boards, we're talking nuanced stuff. Yeah. Both totally work. But yeah, to really dive into the pluses and minuses of both, it's a, it's a debatable, nuanced thing. Um, and at the end of the day, it's how big's the smile on your face? Yeah. And, and if you're fired up riding hard boots and happy and just living your best life, then keep doing that. I, I never, clearly, I've never tried to talk a hard booter out of riding hard boots. I, 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 there's no, they're happy dude. go. You do you, man. <laughs> and they work. They're totally functional. And, and in men, and in some cases more functional than soft boots and vice versa. Mm-hmm. We had talked a while ago when Jones was first getting into soft goods and apparel. Um, you, I don't know if you specifically referenced it in while we had the record button going, but you are working on some new boards. From a product point of view, if we're thinking about boots, boards, bindings, apparel, kind of the question of what are you or what is Jones the company most curious about or fixated on these days now? Yeah, I mean, we're hyper aware of impact of our product, yeah. uh, both the making of it and the end of life yeah. of it. Uh, as far as if you think about the the emails going back and forth on yeah. on that stuff, and and talking with suppliers um, and factories and. Uh, things of that nature. There's a lot of bandwidth going to that. But from the get-go, we've always had this 
kind of this three tiered deal, which is, uh, performance, durability, sustainability. And you really need all of them. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're all so for us, um, equally important and you can't skimp on any of those. And really the first thing you need to get is performance and durability. Uh, cause if, if you don't have that, you got nothing. Um, and so it's almost that, yes, we put a ton of energy towards the sustainability, but it's never at the price of performance and durability. Mm -hmm. And then when we get, you know, kind of that, that like triple crown unicorn is when you check all those boxes and that's when we get really excited. And in November, we were talking a bit about re-up tech. Yep. And how's that going? It's going well in the sense of um, we continue to, I mean, we're now having certain snowboard suppliers. Um, and there's no shortage of boards collecting dust. Um, and so we're finding a home for those, mm -hmm. which is key because that technology, I mean, the more boards we have, the more we can bring it throughout the whole line. That is our number one thing yeah. is, um, the collection of boards. And as we've kind of put that bat signal out into the world, um, we're getting, um, uh, finding more and more places, uh, shops, what have, you know, that have been around for a long time. And so it's just the gathering of, um, boards and we're definitely building that, uh, supply chain, uh, and it's come a long way in a short period of time. That's cool. And I know we, we were talking a little bit before and I had asked like, how's it going? And you're like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're getting better at collecting, but it almost sounded like you were downplaying that a little bit. Whereas I think that collection part of it is a massive piece. Like the, it, it's great if the tech works, but if you're not making it easy for people to turn in boards and get them collected and sent off to the right places, none of it matters. None of it works, right? Yeah. And, and then the, and the, you know, the dirty secret of skiing and snowboarding is, um, I don't know, but that, that maybe sounds a little um, aggressive, but <laughs> the, there's a, you know, but it's, we don't have exact numbers, but our estimation is there's about a million snowboards a year made. Yeah. And then I don't know, my guess is skiing's at least 10 times the size of that. So mm -hmm. you're talking 10 million skis a year maybe. Right. And so that is a and then if you look at the end of life of that product, it's not a it's not a pretty picture. You know, the, mm -hmm. you know, the real end of life is uh basically being burned. And so the reality is as we measure the carbon footprint of product, and we do that with all our from our clothing to our snowboards to everything. Um, we've underestimated the end of life footprint of the product. And so, yeah, I think, um, we need to figure out, you know, the, the dream is obviously circular, circular economy where we're taking old and turning it back to new. And we're starting to do that at Jones and it's a small percentage of the boards we produce, but our, our goal is to have everything. It's pretty good. Pretty good vision. Last question. I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. We started, um, was it last fall? This podcast called Blister Cinematic, where we revisit a kind of classic film or an influential film from the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And then we kind of ping, like we'll, we'll do a new film out and then go do kind of an old film. So if I were to recruit you sometime as a guest on Blister Cinematic and your assignment then was you're going to select one favorite snowboard film or one particularly influential film and then we do what we do at Blister. Like we go deep. Love it. We I, go I'd love to be a part of this. Okay. Yeah. Um, good. That's the right answer. Um, so we have created all of these categories and awards. And uh, um, there was, by the way, one one moment where 
Cody comes on kind of regularly on these. Yep. And there was one time, one of my favorite texts I ever got from him, he's like, dude, all I ever want to do is just blister cinematic episodes. Yeah. Like, just revisiting these old films. So for you, do you have kind of that favorite or or a favorite film you'd want to discuss and like really break down? Or for would it be more of like, this was the most influential one for you personally? Do you what would What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, God, there's so, I mean, I, my life was, um, so guided by early day films from Stumps films to, um, the early standard films. Uh, I would say those simply put the, you know, the TV two, TV three, the, um, and then Blizzard of Oz, uh, and he'd bring the snowboarding into that. The apocalypse snow um yeah all we, that he did apocalypse snow wow i bummed and missed that and um yeah and i actually had regis roland on to talk about that film and i think it was it one of my favorite moments in all of blister because he was i think a little bit like i haven't really been hit up to like really go behind the scenes on this and it it's phenomenal so it's this has been yeah this has kind of become a favorite thing but um, and I think I'm meeting up with with Stump in Aspen uh, in a few weeks um, to kind of bring him in and kind of get his perspective on some of this. And I still don't know if we're going to do like an overview or if we just go deep into one. Um, yeah. And then I also I mean, I can't help but um, I mean, TGR's first film, The Continuum. Yeah. Uh, was just like probably the most emotional experience I've had in a theater. Um, huh. watching that film uh, be released to the world. Is that is that going to be... I mean, we we could let you on more than once. Yeah, I mean, I could, again, I could, I could be on this thing. There's so many films that have meant so much to me. Um, and, yeah, and I would say, specifically as I'm in you know, back east and we're renting VHS, and it's, if yeah. there was a ski or snowboard film there was three of them in the store i was watching it and i was watching it a lot more than once so there's a lot of films that really shaped me as a kid so i would yeah it would be fun to talk about those okay well you can you can think on this some more but uh i'm i'm gonna hit you up we'll we'll make this happen and uh it has been so fun to revisit some of this stuff and we did we did out cold Mike Rogie from Mountain yeah, Gazette. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. And, you know, some of these comedies, you're, some of that stuff doesn't age all that well. And some of it does. And you kind of talk about all of that. But, man. Yeah. I mean, hot, who gets to do, hot, I mean, a hot dog. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, what a film. Yeah. So, all right. We'll, we'll rope you into the whole Blister Cinematic Universe at some point And you, you, you know, start, start thinking through. But, but maybe it sounds like I like that when you're like, continuum man that was that was an experience that's the kind of thing i like bringing people in on and uh yeah i mean i could i know every second of that (laughs) film um but as i do of many films but yeah that's cool (laughs) you guys are doing that yeah um i should let you go um tomorrow we'll link up at some point make a couple turns as you said we've talked enough probably time to yeah, that would be uh, that would be awesome, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's just great to experience your your home out, mm. and uh, always a pleasure to wrap up. Yeah, man, this has been fun, and uh, well, cool. Well, tomorrow should be a good day, and and uh, then you just then you're a dad cheering on your kid. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's just the the whole junior free ride community. I've made so many new friends and. Uh, the spirit is so high and, and hopefully you come and watch yeah. it. I mean, the, just the kids, uh, the camaraderie amongst the kids is, uh, really special. Mm-hmm. And, and these kids are, I mean, they are putting it out there. Um, and I think of what's cool it, it to be back in Crested Butte where it really all started yeah. and so many of, the uh, the the people that helped create this IFSA, which is the um, you know the the organization that my kids competing in, um, those 
founders were at the first extreme contest yeah. ever on this mountain yeah. right here that I got to hike today. Uh, and, you know, sadly, some of them aren't with us today. Um, if they could have fast forward mm. to today and see the ecosystem that they've created and the free ride spirits just living so strong with the music cranking and the kids coming across the finish line and getting hugged and the, and you know, it's success of, and failure out there is so tight. I mean, you're the talk about a, the surface is so variable, meaning if you think of a slope style course or a half pipe or a race course, like how sure there's some chatter, there's some ice, but out here, depending on the aspect is, more rocky or crusty or icy or deep pow or punchy. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. And it brings a tear to my eye, really, to see it evolve to what it is now and to think about, you know, really think a lot about Shane specifically, but yeah. so many others. Um, and, so, you know, and others that sadly aren't with us yeah. that, you know, they, they planted that seed and it's just blossomed so much. Yeah. I'll be there tomorrow watching and yeah, we'll make some turns, watch some, some kids get after it and it should be a real good day here. So. All right. We'll see you uh, before the lift's open. I'll be in that <laughs> lift line standing there waiting for him to spin. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Jeremy for a really fun week a great time out on the mountain, and for this conversation. I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Finally, if you are enjoying these Gear 30 conversations, we would love it if you would leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, folks, J-Bob and I are figuring out our calendars and our schedules because as you know, that blister crash course snowboard video, that's going to be happening either sometime in March or in the very beginning of April. Let's do this. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.